This is Aaron Warby with Online Trading Academy. I'm joined today uh, by the incomparable. We're back to incomparable with Scott Stokes. All right. Uh, Scott and I are part of Online Trading Academy, the most trusted name in f- uh, financial education and celebrating 26 years of service. Um, now, Scott, we just ended a, uh, a five-day uh, futures class, and you were the instructor there. Why don't you come a little bit closer to the mic? There we go. Yeah. Uh, so um, at the end of five days, how do you think it went? That was awesome. Uh, great <laughs> students, great class. And uh, everybody, I think everybody was was thrilled and excited that, that they were here, and it was a fun time. It was. Uh, yeah, I saw smiles all around. Now, typically in these classes, so, you know, understand what's going on here. This is, this is education, and the markets are only open during the work week when it comes down to it. I mean, we, you know, the futures market, of course, opens up at, uh, I don't know, local time here in Arizona, about what, three uh, or five, no, it's about five, um, 5 p.m. on Sundays. Uh, it's a 23-hour market, so there's a li- about 15 minutes of close, or 45 minutes of close time every day. But otherwise, it, it doesn't close until about two on Friday afternoon. Yep, yep, two. Yeah. Uh, goes for 23 hours, so uh, picks back up at three local time, and mm-hmm. but there's not a lot of activity in the overnight uh, session, so it really starts to pick up depending on the market that we're trading. Yeah, uh, pick back up earlier in the morning. So right, and so we typically will teach these during the week because we have to have the markets open in order for people to get the hands-on live uh, type of training that they were looking for, and that's what we do here. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, because people are taking time out of work, what we have to do is throw a lot of information at them really fast and then get them on the computers. <laughs> yep, there's, you can't learn to ride a bike at a seminar. We got to get on the bike and pedal and that's, that's right. what we do in class. And so it's like a semester's worth of information plus doing, uh, practicing what we're learning in uh, a very short time. That's right. And not to intimidate anybody. What I expect to see is you know, probably a lot of wide eyes on Monday and Tuesday. And then I start seeing the smiles and I expect to see smiles by Wednesday afternoon, which is exactly what I saw. Friday, everybody should be smiling. Um, And, you know, when I first started this, uh, when I first got into this business, I was a little bit concerned um, about people coming into classes when we've got weeks where, where the market is doing nothing but falling. You know, sometimes especially for those that are uninitiated, they're thinking, oh, well, it's not tradable when it's falling. Traders don't care. Traders don't, don't care which way the market's going as long as there's movement. That's exactly right. You know, um, and there was movement this week, you know, and so, uh, you know, up movement, down movement doesn't matter. We had a lot of down movement. Eh, who cares? Our traders still did well. Yeah, it's just the bus- button we pushed to open the trade. Uh, we just need movement and... Uh uh, you know, in fact, oftentimes markets will drop faster than they rally. And uh, so it's great for us as, as far as trading goes. Yeah. All right. Now, uh, let me, for the audience sake, because they're just meeting you, why don't you give us a little bit of your trading history? Um, a lot, some of our instructors actually traded on the floor. Uh, some of them traded for, you know, some of the market makers, things like that. You are a little bit different because you were one of the first what what would be it be called uh, just electronic traders or computer traders? That's right, trading off the screen. Uh, the 
right back when nine, late 90s, uh, early to mid 90s is when I got started, 1995. Uh-huh. And it was the very beginning of this, uh, you know, electronic revolution in the trading industry. And, and we really didn't have a clue what we were doing. You know, trading <laughs> principles have been around for a while. But figuring out the recipe, uh, you know, that took a little while. Uh-huh. Um, and electronic trading floors were starting to pop up around the country because we could, you know, pipe the data in from the exchanges uh, to, you know, different locations around the country. And, and that was where, you know, I got started and, uh, I was working with, uh, an elect, an electronic trading floor, uh, where you, it was like a classroom. You'd had the computers and you had the, uh, traders come in and sit down at the computers. And, um, you know, we were just trying to figure out what to do to build an edge into a trade, you know, what rules would set up a, a trade, um, rules for entering and management and, you know, it was the Wild West days of trading. Yeah. Uh, eventually, we started to figure it out. And uh, so today, we we have the recipe. And uh, so it's a much shorter learning curve for students today. Right. Now, um, back, th- you, you said that you started on the, the um, there in the computer floors. And if I understood correctly, um, from when we've talked before, when the floor traders... When that stopped being a thing, everybody was transitioning over to computers. You actually were training the old floor traders. That is correct. Yeah. And uh, they had to relearn. They did because everything they were keyed to on the floor, um, they'd go, go upstairs into the office and they'd sit down in front of the computer screen and it was like, uh, what do we do, right? And so they had to learn uh, how to read the screens. And uh, I'll never forget the first time a floor trader called me and said, hey, I, I got to learn how to scre- read the screens or I'm going to be out of a uh, job, out of work, you know, because he could see the transition was coming coming, and it's like, well, I, I can certainly show you that. And uh, at the same time, though, I'm, I'm picking their, their brains as far as how do the institutions think, you know, where are they coming from? And, and it helped fill in some gaps back then as to, oh, that's what caused this market move. And so this, there's a story being told in every chart and uh, the institutions, the big money is driving it. Um, and, uh, but yet for us, the small guy, the retail trader, if you understand that story, you, you can jump on the institution's coattails real quick and, uh, still create an edge. Yeah. So I think that that's something that a lot of people don't understand. You know, it's common in business or in any, in any part of life to simply say, follow the money. Yeah. You know, here in trading, when we say follow the money, what we're talking about is that the people with all the money are the institutions in this game. All yeah. right. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are in the markets. There's a whole bunch of retail traders. And, you know, it, it, you could make a case that the number of retail traders out there for all of the money that they're trading might equal the institutions. But because they're not a concerted effort ever, they're a disparate group with disparate um, timing and, and doing, you know, whatever they want, whenever they want. Uh, there is absolutely no way to follow that money. But when you have an institution that gets in or gets out, they create either a hole in the market, which is going to drop the market, or they create, you know, this demand level that's going to drive the price up. And so if you can learn, you know, how to follow the money, just follow the money is I think the key to to uh, some of the best and most uh, uh, probability. I don't know. The probabilities are highest if you can figure out where the money is going. Yep, and they leave they leave their tracks in the charts. Um, I call it like a poker tell. You know, they're mm-hmm. not going to tell us what they're doing, but when you know what to look for, 
um, you can you can pick up on it and uh, you know jump on their coattails as quick as possible. It's like don't know where the elephant's going to go, but I can certainly follow them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're they're leaving huge tracks, so yes. it's yeah not hard to track an elephant. Um, and uh, you know just being there, riding their coattails is exactly is exactly the right thing to do. In fact. You know, it, because it, it, because the institutions have this money and this concerted effort, they really are the ones that are creating the trends, up yes. or down. Hands down. Yeah, right now the trend is down. Uh, they want to get out. They're not seeing what they like. And so, you know, we've been seeing over the last uh, week, well, since August really, um, the trend of the larger trading houses is let's get out. Let's we're taking we're taking everything we can and selling it off to the retail traders, and that's creating a hole. And so we've been watching the market drop. They're creating that trend. Your job, if you're going to do well, is simply follow along. All right, yep. and the trend is your friend, hands down. Yeah. yeah. So you know, figure that out and figure out how to uh, how to make the tracks. I think that's kind of the biggest. I don't know. The thing that any every trader, if you're going to stay in the game, has to learn uh, the fastest. Consistency is key. Um, having a, a, a set of rules that um, produce an edge for you that you follow every time, that's how you produce those consistent results. And uh, having that recipe basically to follow. Yeah. And uh, trend is a big, big part of that. Right. Yeah, I think so too. Now, so you've been doing this. You've been trading since the mid mid nineties. Yes, is that correct? Yep. That's that's quite a track record. Yeah. And I say that because you know the, the there's a couple of different thoughts out there, and I think that you know what one of the things that I get frustrated with is that the general overall thought is that trading is either based on luck. Um, or the, the people that are trading and continuing to trade, those that do well with it consistently, uh, are consistent because they've got some, I, I don't know, magic insight. Everything is magic. You know, you're tuning in, you're stock picking, you're doing something like that. Um, and once you actually get exposed to how the market works, there it couldn't be further from the truth. That's it has nothing to do with stock picking. It has everything to do with chart picking. Yeah. Um, it has nothing to do with, uh, with getting lucky. You know, Warren Buffett has been at this game, I don't know, for how many years. He's in his 90s. He started when he was in his, what, late teens, I think. A long time ago, for it's sure. It's a long time yeah. to get lucky, consistently yeah. Yeah. lucky. <laughs> you know, he's got a formula. He tells you what his formula is. Now, he's an equities trader or a stock trader. Um, now, Scott, you actually trade it all. I do. Um, mostly uh, stocks, futures, and Forex. You stay away uh, from the, well, you, I, I not do, as much options. Not as much with options, yep. Yeah. But uh, my main focus is really, you know, futures and Forex and, and stocks, yeah. Yeah. So um, I enjoy those markets. And, you know, you're right as far as we have to have a system that gives us an edge. It's a random, you know, the markets are random. You know, I, I, I kind of compare it to... Um, the wind, right? The wind mm -hmm. blows and we're sailors on the market wind. The sailor doesn't control the wind. He learns how to set his sails to respond and still be able to make, make his destination. And if the wind shifts halfway through, he doesn't argue. He just adjusts the, the sails. And we do that, <clears throat> excuse me, the same thing as traders. Uh, we don't control the market. We, it's the market wind. But we do have 
you know, rules and systems in place that know how to respond to different market conditions. And, and that's, that's all we do. It's, it, I also like to compare it to, to the gaming industry, the casinos. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, blackjack, you know, they have a set of rules. And we can, as traders, we can take away two great lessons from that. Number one, the rules, you follow the rules because that's what gives you the edge. But just because you do follow the rules doesn't mean the trade's going to work. Yeah. Um, we have lots of failed trades. Uh, so your focus has got to be on the big picture. What's the results after 30 or 50? And that's what the, the gaming industry can teach us. It's like, you know, they don't win every hand of blackjack. But when you add up over, you know, hundreds, the money flows to the house because they have the edge that the rules gave to them. And so as traders, we have to do the same thing. Yeah, well, and, you know, that that's true in any part of our lives, whether it's the gaming industry or anything. Uh, you've, you've got wins and you've got losses. Um, when it comes down to it, whether you're successful or not, always, always is, you know, whether you've got larger wins than losses, mm-hmm. not even the number of wins, just larger wins than losses. Yep. Um, and that, you know, so the key is if I can limit my losses, but not limit my profits, That's then so, so important. Yeah. Then I'm going to, I've got a good chance of doing well. Yeah. You know, um, you know, and when I'm taught, when I'm teaching, one of the things that I talk about is people do often, uh, you know, relate, uh, the markets to, to the casinos and, and I'm fine with it, mm-hmm. you know, but here's the thing. Uh, I, I can tell you whether you're going to, uh, win or lose in the casino, uh, by which door you walk in. All right. If you're walking in the front door, you're a loser because you are there as a patron of the casino. And that casino is only a casino because they make money. All right. They're not getting, you know, government money to keep alive. They are consistently, consistently, consistently making money. All right. Now, if you're walking in the back door, you're an owner. You're going to win. Big difference. Yeah. And the difference is, is that while the game that is being played is the exact same, both you and the house are playing the same game. The difference is, is that they control the game. Now, they can't control when you're playing the, the dice game, right? Craps. Mm-hmm. They don't control whether you're going to throw a 7, 11, or a 2. But they did control the game. Mm-hmm. And so here's the thing, right? As soon as you put those dice in your hand, they're looking at it as a probability statement. Yes. They're saying, you've got two die in your hand. And what that means is when it releases from your hand, it's going to land on some number in between 2 and 12. Right? All right, well, if we've set up the game as the casino, then all we have to do is make sure that the odds are in our favor. So the winners are 7 and 11. You've got two chances of winning, and that's the customer. The house, they win on everything except 7 and 11. So there are nine different combinations of dice, you know, on that die that they are going to win. Only two where the customer is going to win. All right, well, when we go to the markets... What we have to do is be able to look at the game and say, the game is the game. I'm not going to control where the dice land, Mm -hmm. but I can control where I get in, where I get out, how much I'm getting in for, meaning my risk Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, how much I expect it, you know, expect to take out when, if, if I, if I've, uh, you know, properly judged this chart, if I've done it right. Yep. All right. I'm, I'm going to ride the coattails of, of the big money because they are, you know, when it comes down to it, they're much more predictable than the 
disparate uh, retail people, those that, that have no concerted effort. And so I'm simply going to tag along with, uh, with where I see the big money. That's going to give me a higher probability of being right than wrong. Yeah. And then I have to uh, limit my losses if I happen to be wrong. That's right. We have a fixed amount. You know, we call that minus one, and we're going to cut that off. Mm-hmm. And uh, if it goes in our favor, we'll get a plus two, plus three. And uh, you, don't have to, you don't have to have every trade work out. You don't even have to have half of them work out. With good management and good edge, um, you'll produce good, consistent results over time. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, and so here we are in a market that you would think because the market was dropping. And, and really, I didn't see a, a, a whole bunch of movement in the market uh, this week. It was really kind of muted Yeah, um, altogether, which, uh, you know, is really a little bit different when you're thinking about uh, um, a week where you've got a lot of earnings results coming out. Mm-hmm. Muted markets, earning results typically don't go together. Right. Usually during those, uh, uh, you know, those market, I mean, the, um, the quarterly announcements there, you're seeing big runs either up or down. Mm-hmm. Depending yeah. on how those results are coming in, yeah. Yeah, and what we saw that it was more like a steady drop, <laughs> um, but not really, you know, big moves um, either up or down, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you'd think that would make it harder. It actually didn't. I mean, there was still opportunity out there. There there was, and it's fun to see the smiles on the class uh, students' faces, you know, towards Thursday, Friday, when they've got a better foundation and they start seeing some of those uh, successful trades start to come through. And that's another a nice thing about the futures markets is, yes, we can trade the equities, but you also have the energies, you know, mm-hmm. o- oil and, and natural gas. You have metals. You've got, you know, gold. You have the agriculturals. You have the currencies. You have, you know, um, if something's not moving in one market, you've got access to other markets. That's exactly right. In fact, you can even do, like, cryptos. Yes, um, I, I, I hate to say that because I'm not a fan <laughs> of cryptos, but <laughs> you can do Bitcoin and Ethereum. They're also on the uh, in the Chicago Mercantile the Exchange. Futures Exchange, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, futures traders like trading everything. They just like tax breaks and they, they love the... Uh, they love the way that the market market itself works and the, the leverage that they've got, things like that. Yeah. You know, so... Um, so yeah, we were, uh, this was a futures class and, and everybody enjoyed being able to trade everything and something was moving. You were exactly right. And so, yeah, here at the end of the, uh, the week, we, we did a tally and, and, uh, you know, well, throughout class, every throughout class, if you did an average, everybody was up. Yeah. Altogether, but yeah. we, we expect to see on Friday that we're much better off and, and that's what we saw. Yeah. So, you know, good for the class. You must've taught them well. It was a good class. <laughs> and I know you did because I was in there monitoring the whole time. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I love futures myself. Yeah. You know, that, that's that's yeah. my favorite. Now, you also um, do a lot of, of Forex trading, I foreign do. currency exchange. Um, if you would, just, you know, because you know that I'm kind of stuck on, on futures. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just give me a little bit of a sales pitch for the foreign currency exchange? So the, the, a couple of things I really like about the Forex markets is um, they're pretty active for most of the day. There's a, there's a slow time, you know, between the U.S. market close and when Australia and New Zealand start to open up, a little bit of a slow town time, but they're pretty active. Uh, my favorite kind of time frame to trade those, the futures markets are really great for 
you know, short-term, real active income mm-hmm. type of trades, where the Forex markets are, are, to me, they're a little bit better suited for, um, you know, carrying positions for two, three, four days to two or three or four weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit longer time frame trades. And so they don't take, you know, as much work. I'll, I'll check in on those once a day, set trades, and then uh, just, you know, keep, keep on top of them. And so they're great that way. Another thing that is nice about those markets is um, you got a lot of flexibility in, in position sizing and risk management. And so a, a new trader can come in and, and uh, trade very small position size, very small risk levels. Um, and once they develop their skill trading small, it's really easy to um, size that up. Yeah. Um, and so... In fact, one of our Forex instructors, Nikki Sykes... Mm-hmm. Uh, when she was first learning, I think that she was risking like a dollar a trade or yeah, something like that. 50 cents a dollar. You, you yeah. can do that. And you can get in. And the thing is, is paper trading is, is great for learning a platform, but you're not bringing in the emotional uh, side of trading, the psychological side of trading, which is a huge part of it. And so uh, the thing with the Forex markets is you can start trading real money at, uh, you know, 50 cents a dollar, $2 uh, and you're trading live, and so you're really starting to develop real trading skill because you're, mm-hmm. you're live in the markets. Yeah. yeah. So that's one of the nice things about Forex trading. It's a great place uh, to start. Yeah. And, and, you know, for those of you that uh, haven't heard of it before, this is foreign currency exchange. So it's the dollar against the yen, against the pound, the bot, the, you know, the peso, whatever it is. Or it can be the yen against the, you know, pound. Aussie dollar. Aussie Euro, dollar. Yeah. Yeah. Here's something else that a lot of times people don't don't think about, I think, and that is when the stock markets start to get into trouble, right, and people start to lose money in the stock markets, they pull it out into cash. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're in the United States. The cash for us is the U.S. dollar. But if you're Canadian, it's like into the Canadian dollar. If you're Jap- from Japan, it's in the Japanese yen or the euro into the euro. And so there's all these different safe so-called cash Um now the question is, is as a uh, Forex trader, you now have the option, well, which one is outperforming the other? I can be in the dollar or I can put it over into euros or I can put it into yen. And so you're all dealing with, with cash, but you're looking for the, the cash that's outperforming the other markets. And so right. push of a button, you can, you can be in the, the, the cash, so-called cash that is producing the better results. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which one don't you see a lot of inflation in? That's right. <laughs> yep. We just pull up the charts and we apply the same principles, uh, the same rules to the Forex markets, and uh, we can then choose where we want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So then another thing that I wanted to, uh, you know, just discuss really fast is is one of the reasons that uh, futures traders and Forex traders, um, why that... Uh, at least a little bit of why that is um, gaining some ground is because of the tax laws surrounding those. Now, in the equities market, um, you've got a different tax situation, right? We've got two different tax codes that we deal with. There is either um, the capital gains or the long-term capital gains, all right? Uh, and you deal with that in all of the markets. But in the if you're talking about stocks, then you have to hold your stock for 365 days before you get any tax advantage at all. That's right. Long because term, regular yeah. yeah, regular capital gains is simply working wage type taxes. Yeah, ordinary income. Yeah. Um, but in the 
but if you hold it for 365 days, now you're in long-term capital gains, which means that you can make up to $400,000 and pay only 15% in taxes. Anything above that 400,000, just the piece that is above. So let's say you made 600,000, right? The first 400,000, 15%. The second 200,000, 20%. But if you'd made 600,000 a year in um, any, any other industry, right? Working. <clears throat> no, your tax rate is up at 37% by the time you get to, you know, past the 400,000. Now you're working on 37%, where in, you know, the uh, long-term capital gains, eh, no, still 20%. Yeah, 15 or 20, yeah. Yeah, 15 or 20. Now, in the futures and Forex, that's a little bit different. It is. Because you can take a a day trade. You don't have to hold anything for any amount of time, right? You're in for 10 seconds. You made 250 bucks. You have 60% of that immediately as long-term capital gains. That's right. It's treated as long-term capital yeah. gains. So you have that 60-40 split, and that applies right. both to the futures markets and the Forex markets. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're going to trade, and by the way, you can trade equities in the futures market, if you're going to be trading equities anyway, why not take the tax benefit? Yes, and have the leverage. Yeah, the leverage, because, you know, you you have to come to the table with so much less. You can control your risk the same. I mean, it's same risk when it comes down to it. It's just the, you don't have to pony up all the dough. Yep. So you can come in with much less and control much more. Another thing a lot of times people don't realize is you can do this in your IRA account as well. Right. And uh, even defer, you know, if it's a Roth IRA, never pay the tax on, on your, your gains. That's right. Yeah. You know, make yourself a millionaire and never pay any more taxes on it, right? That's correct. I, I, and I think that that's brilliant. Now, you can do that in, um, in stocks or future, you know, anything that you're trading yeah. out of. You could do that as well. Um, you know, but if you're, if you're looking for income that you're going to be using then futures and Forex is kind of a no-brainer when you're starting to look at the tax laws and the leverage and, and things like that. Yep. You know. Hands down. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, shout out for futures and Forex. If, if you don't know what it is or, or what you're doing with it, then it turns out we teach classes on that. Yeah. And we even have a free class. You know, um, it's a three-hour class. We go through stocks, options, futures, Forex. Uh, we... we teach how to find where the money is and how to follow that along, uh, the risk management part, you know, Critical. all of the, the basic essentials of, of uh, what you're doing and how you do it is found right there in that three-hour class. All right, we're going to talk a little bit about that um, in a little while, but if you want to get into that class, just go to our website, www.tradingacademy.com, and, uh, and you'll get a list of classes and class times. Okay. Now, the other thing that I wanted to talk about really fast is uh, that several weeks ago, and I think it was at the end of August, you know, I started talking about how rough September was and then looking forward into October. All right. Now, we've been talking to those of you that are interested in, uh, in trading. L let me switch gears a little bit and talk to those people that are now concerned about wealth. And what their wealth is going to do, okay? So back there at the beginning of August, I said, yeah, September's usually rough. And uh, when I say rough, I mean that it's, whether it goes up or down, it's kind of all over the place. We see a lot of action. Uh, some of that has to do with how corporations especially um, are taxed or where they, their end of year is. 
right? They're selling things off, selling the dogs out uh, so that they can get the tax break, picking up new things. Um, but when you've got, you know, the larger portion of the smart money, let's just call it the smart money. Uh, all right. Uh, and those are the larger institutions that know how things are going and, and uh, kind of control the game. Mm-hmm. When the smart, smart money is a little bit nervous about what they see in the future, um, then September is typically a down month. Mm-hmm. Uh, October, traditionally, October through December, uh, you get what's called the Santa Claus rally. Yeah. All right. And this is a seasonality thing. Now, one of the things that I talked about back in August was be careful, uh, you know, of positioning yourself for a Santa Claus rally because we had a lot of things happening in October that are going to be affecting the market. Um, as I was looking forward, we had the student loan debt that was going to come back in. Um, also, at the same time, I was watching the credit reports and the retail um you know, the, those, the retail person, uh, I don't know, average person out there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of the things that has confused economists for, I don't know, the last year or so is that inflation is going up. Wage growth is not matching inflation. Now, when wage growth doesn't match inflation, you should see that people have to scale back their lifestyle, okay? Um, that means that they spend less on the non-essentials. They're mm-hmm. going to spend close to the same on food. What they're going to do with food is they're going to start getting non-brand name uh, stuff and things like that. We certainly saw that. But then you should see them also scaling back purchases on clothing and, and uh, you know, some of uh, not going out to eat as often, things like that. That's going to hurt those non-essential businesses and, and their stock price overall should reflect that. All right. But for the last year and a half, that's not what we've seen. People did not cut down on their lifestyle, all right? And so everybody was baffled. How in the world is this happening, you know? And, and what, uh, so the next report that you turn to is what are their savings accounts doing? Yeah. Well, their yeah, savings yeah. accounts were disappearing, mm-hmm. all right? But then their savings account disappeared and we said, all right, now is the time. We're going to start seeing it. Nope, we didn't start seeing it. All right, well, where's the money coming from, right? So then you turn to the other reports and these are the credit card reports. Yeah. And what we watched is, is those credit card balances uh, built. Now, eventually that's going to run out. And if I was reading, I, I said, if I'm reading the reports right, we're going to see both the student loans come back in in October. And at the same time, we're going to watch uh, this credit run out. Mm-hmm. People are maxing out their credit cards. And now what do they do? Mm-hmm. Right. All right. Well, here in October, we've seen that the banks were looking at the same thing and the big trading houses are probably looking at the same thing because we really have during this uh, earnings report, it's been kind of mixed. Yeah. Not as good as as uh, it was in the past, but there's been some bright spots here and there. But the market is not reacting to any of the bright spots. Mm-hmm. They are reacting to the misses. They're just not reacting to any of the bright spots, Right. Mm-hmm. And so in general, the market has been going down. Um, and it's probably because they're seeing the same thing that, that I was seeing in those reports. So if I were to look into the future and, um, you know, try and prognosticate a little bit. Now, I know I'm, I'm crystal balling it here and mm-hmm. you never crystal ball it. All right. And so if you come into the three hour class, I'll teach you how, 
how to look at the markets and, and have an expectation without crystal balling it. Yeah. It has a lot to do with positioning, has a lot to do with uh, covering yourself with options, which are insurance in the stock market, um, and and setting pr- appropriate stops for things that you don't want to cover with options, mm-hmm. right? Um, but uh, if I were, if I had to guess at how things were going into the future, I'll tell you this, you know, eventually credit cards run out. Yeah. So if you've got... If you've got inflation, but not wage growth to match inflation, then you have to eventually have a slowdown in expenditures. And that is going to hurt, especially the non-essentials. Yeah. All right. And a lot of things out there are non-essentials. And so we're talking about Tesla. Well, okay, people will keep their car for a little longer, Mm -hmm. right? Start fixing it up instead of turning it in. Or they're going to turn to less expensive cars because they simply don't have the credit or the cash to, uh, to do, you know, some other things. You're going to, you know, see people cut down on expenditures in clothing. And so look at the clothiers and, and you, you can probably see an impact there, mm-hmm. right? And we've already seen that. There's something called the, um, uh, the underwear index, the men's underwear index. I've got to, you know, specify that. It's the men's underwear index. And so when you see men's underwear start to get scaled back there, it's not being sold at the same rate. Mm-hmm. Then you know that people's pocketbooks are hurting. Yeah, starting to tighten up. Yeah, um, eating out. And so we're going to see impacts in, you know, restaurant uh, type uh, organizations and things like that. Uh, Now that's going to have a trickle down effect because when restaurants aren't, um, you know, aren't selling as much, then the suppliers of the restaurants aren't going to be selling as much. All right. And so when I'm looking at housing, for instance, um, I know that the housing market is going to be dropping by simply watching what's happening in Whirlpool. When I see Whirlpool's profits start to cut, well, all right, I know that the housing market is going to start to cut, all right, because every time you have a new start home or there's a move, you know, they're moving from one house to another, generally what you'll see is appliances being purchased. If appliances start stop being purchased, then that's a tail sign that, that we've got a housing uh, crisis coming yeah. you know, or housing market dip, right? Um, and this is going to be the same thing that you're seeing with these kind of indicators in some of these other markets. That's going to make it hard for the market to have the same kind of Santa Claus rally. Even if we do have a little bit of a Santa Claus rally, it's probably going to be much more muted than in years past. But I'd be prepared for not having that rally just the same. Mm-hmm. All right. Seeing reverses in the markets as we build up. Um, because what is being set up right now without extendable credit, right? Credit's getting more expensive without, um, you know, with the student loans coming back in, therefore there's less money on the street without wage growth. Uh, then, you know, all of that starts to spell recession. Yeah. And they're not done raising rates yet. So yeah. Yeah. Especially since during the last, uh, CPI, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Consumer Price Index, which is the mm-hmm. inflation report that came in a little bit hotter than they expected. Yeah. Um, and same, w- and I'm talking, and the, the core CPI actually came out exactly as expected, but the, um, the monthlies came out a little bit hotter. Uh, and, you know, I think that going forward, we're going to, 
the Fed is probably looking at the same thing I am, Mm -hmm. which means that I'm going to expect that we're not going to see uh, higher inflation growth. Uh, It's still going to remain at that 3.5% during the next CPI report uh, because we've seen, uh, you know, crude oil come down. Mm -hmm. But that crude oil coming down just came down into a daily zone. It's probably going to be popping back up. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the Fed knows that as well as I do. I expect to see oil pop back up. Um, that means the pump's going to get more expensive. And that means that all costs all around, since our society, our economy is built on either, you know, on crude plastics and, uh, which use crude and the transportation of goods, all of those are going to be affected in the prices. If crude goes up, all other prices eventually follow. Well, and part of that drop in crude was just draining the strategic oil reserves. And so, mm-hmm. you know, they they can't continue to do that either. So, you know, the, the right. signs are that, just like you're saying, that it's probably going to pop. Right. Yep. And when that happens, CPI goes back up. So I don't think it's going to, you know, the, the muted CPI or the steady CPI um, is going to fool the Fed. So, yeah, they might still raise rates or at least keep them higher for longer. Yeah. Um, even if they don't raise the rates, businesses are getting crushed by the current, um, you know, by the current debt prices. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we're seeing a lot more zombies. We're seeing, uh, we're seeing companies going out of business at a higher rate, 54% over the last quarter. Um, as compared to the quarter before that. Uh, you're going to start seeing that. We're seeing it especially in the Russell, but we're going to see that even in the, you know, in the larger indexes. Yeah. All right. Um, and by the way, you know, one of the largest things, one of the largest drivers of whether the, um, of whether the S&P and the NASDAQ go up or down is Apple. Well, as it turns out, a brand new iPhone is not on the list of necessities. That's right. And so we could probably expect softer sales in the future, which is going to affect Apple just the same as everything else. So it's been a safe haven in the past running to Apple. Um, I don't know if you're looking at growth in the near future, in the near term future, even if you're not looking at a loss, but I would expect a little bit of a loss even in Apple. Yeah. Um, Apple, Microsoft. Um, they're, they're likely all to take a little bit of a hit. Now, I'm, I'm not trying to be a Johnny Rain Cloud here, all right? What I'm saying is is that there's a way to take advantage of things. There always is, yep. Um, you know, when it comes down to it, if you look at the, you know, the mega billionaires, all of those that created generational wealth actually got their biggest jump in generational wealth during market downturns. So true. It's these market downturns that are the greatest opportunity. Okay, that's that's where you find all of your real jewels. You simply have to know where those jewels are and not waste your money both on the way up or the way down uh, that you could have uh, that you could have used to gather up the jewels when the market's actually, you know, are are at or near a bottom. Yeah. Right? Yep. You got to have the cash at that at those opportunities. Exactly. When they come along. Yep. Yeah. Um and so you know, look at things the way they are. The market really isn't different from any other business. You always want to buy low and sell high. That's that's the magic. Buy low and sell high. Yep. All right. There really isn't any other magic out there. It all comes down to that. Um, 
And so, you know, learning how to find where it's low and where it's high, I think that's the key. Yeah. And the better you are at that, uh, the better edge you've got, the better you're going to be at this game. And the story is always told in the charts because they reflect the sum total of all that knowledge that's out there. And Mm -hmm. so uh, learning how to spot those telltale signs in the charts is a real edge. Exactly. All right. Well, um, so I hope that makes everybody feel better because I know that, you know, I've been Johnny Raincloud for a while now (laughs) (laughs) as I've expected these things to be coming about. All right. Um, But really, it's great news. Uh, you'll find that the perma bears are perma bears because they made so much money during the last downturn. So they always want that next one to come. Mm-hmm. Learning how to take advantage of both the bull and the bear sessions, yes. I think it is key to doing really well and being very consistent. Yeah. All right. Um, and, and that's exactly what we teach. All right. Just like uh, Scott was talking about, the rules, the strategies, they've been developed over years and years of time. Uh, proven out time and time again, learning them and having the discipline to employ those is the way that you will either succeed or fail, um, whether you're investing for wealth, uh, hoping to, you know, gain ground. Um, And by the way, the newest reports and look for this report, okay, uh, on 401ks, they have stopped claiming that 401ks are going to retire you. Now they never have, all right. Even during the best of times, the average 401k at 65 was about 245,000. That's not a retirement. Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, and I'm talking averages here. Yeah. So obviously there were those that, you know, stuck more money into 401ks and things like that, but they've never really done well. And for the next 10 years, because of the pressures that uh, we've had, the, the easy money that we now have to pay for, those 401ks are very unlikely to do well. You might really need to look and find out how to do a little bit better all by yourself. All right. So, um, you know, it really, it, it couldn't hurt. Free three hour class. Nobody, nobody cares more about your money than you. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's great to have the knowledge to be in charge of it. That's exactly right. So, you know, if you want to come in and learn uh, about trading and investing the techniques, you know, for both wealth and income, uh, that's a, th- a free three hour class. Uh, you would register simply by going to our website at www.tradingacademy.com. That's www.tradingacademy.com. And uh, if you're in the Phoenix area, then, you know, we've got an in-person class. And in-person really is better than online. All right. Um, Every time. Scott's been teaching for, I don't know, what, 20-some-odd years? Yes. And um, what what are your thoughts on in-person versus online learning? So, you know, uh, online is great because you, you, you can do it from your own home, right? Sure. But uh, there's nothing that can replace face-to-face, you know, getting those questions answered, um, you know, seeing it there. It's, that's one of the beauties of, uh, of Online Trading Academy is you have the option for both. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, you've, you've got the, the brick and mortar as well as the online. And so, yep. uh, but nothing quite can replace, you know, face-to-face. Yeah. So if you're in the Phoenix area, I would encourage you to sign up for one of the in-person classes. It really will be better and probably serve your needs better. All right. We're located in Scottsdale. Uh, so kind of central to the entire valley in one way or another. Uh, but, uh, you know, work your way into our office for one of those free three-hour classes at www.tradingacademy.com. Hope this has been informative and um, hope to talk to you again next week. We're seeing you in class.